See, there's a whole package deal. I think we could be, that's not even close to describing what God has for you and I. We only know it's just a scratch the surface of what God, no ear hath heard, no eye hath seen, the things that God has prepared for you. You just keep dreaming and looking to God because he'll show up sometimes and uh, he's always with us, but I like the way our brother Gordon Anderson said one time at a camp service, and he spoke on revival. He said, revival is really waking up his people to be more aware of who God is. God doesn't change. And we, we, God is always, I think he's always ready for revival. And, you know, we, we get kind of down and low and discouraged or whatever we may be going through. There is a river. There is a river that will quench. There is a there is a, a healing tide. There is a healing that comes from Jesus. And over and over again, we meet, we fellowship with other believers. And sometimes we, we get into discussions. And some people, I think, struggle. I know I did for a long time growing up. Whether I'm unsaved or not, if I sin before Jesus if I sin one sin, will I not make it? You know, I would live under with some of that, but I discovered we're going to sin. That doesn't mean we should take sin lightly or just brush it off and live our own way carelessly. That's not what God's plan is for us. But God is actually giving you and I the power that we can resist sin. And if we stay close to him, we're going to... He is always uh, trying to keep us from destroying ourselves keep us from going over the edge, so to speak, going down a path that will bring destruction and bring a lot of problems, brings problems into whole families. God wants us to be set free. God wants to heal families. God wants to heal marriage relationships. God is doing that. And, um, you know, sometimes we don't, we don't like how his timing is. We, we, we pray, we pray, and nothing happens. That doesn't mean God hasn't heard you. Because we'll, we'll discover in the end of 1 John, we're going to read part of 1 John 1 and look at the beginning of this little book. It's so power-filled, power-packed. John expresses at the end of the book how we can have the assurance of our salvation. And he who has the Son has the life, he said. So you ask Jesus in your heart, you can be assured he, his promise is for you. You have salvation. And then it's the help of the Holy Spirit to help us live in such a way that will demonstrate godliness. That will, because we represent the king, we live differently. Because we represent Jesus. Because Jesus is in our heart. He takes away uh, that, that, that bentness, that, that crookedness, that part of us that wants to sin. That's not saying he totally takes it away because we're going to struggle with the old flesh until he raptures and catches us out of here. But I believe, I'm convinced that God can help us overcome daily by the help of the Lord. And 1 John 1 describes it at the first verse, in the beginning of what, we've, what was from the beginning, what we have heard. Now, John was, a, was an eyewitness of the Lord. He walked with Jesus on the earth. Wouldn't you have liked to walk with Jesus on the earth? 
Wow, what a what an experience. But you know what? You walk with Jesus. You do walk with Jesus. You're walking with him now. You're looking to him now. What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, the, the, the disciples saw miracles after miracles of what Jesus would do. He'd heal blind eyes. He'd open, uh, open up uh, things that were impossible. He fed uh, the 1,000, 5,000 people, another time a 4,000 group setting with a small boy's lunch, a small lunch from a boy. And uh, God is in the business of doing miracles yet today, and we can believe for that. I need to hear an amen. Thank you. God is thrilled. You know, the expectation of the early church was high. Their expectation, their expectation was Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. Ex they lived in such a way, no, they, they looked for Jesus, and they went hard after those who didn't know him because they felt there was such a need. And you've got you to gotta realize there was such an expectation. There were people getting healed. That word would spread out, and people would bring in their, their sick, their, their friends, their relatives, and Jesus would keep healing through the disciples and apostles. They were convinced the Lord was who he said he was. Most of the disciples died a martyr's death. All but John lived out his totally, but he suffered many things. But he lived way up into the years, and we have revelation because of that. John was really, really getting up in age when he was on, he, they put him on that island of Patmos because they figured he'd just die. They wanted to get rid of him, but that's where God showed up. Isn't it interesting what God does when the enemy thinks he has us now? Amen. God can take what the enemy tries to, to put on to us and turn it around. In Jesus' name, he brings victory out of it. Because there is a Lord that walked with you and I, walked with the disciples. He still walked. How can he walk? He has given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is everywhere, all at the same time. God sees all, every heart. And he's looking, looking for a heart who's looking back to him, and he wants to fill your heart. We can pray in the Spirit with the Lord giving us. The Holy Spirit can give us the utterances. Acts chapter Two, they were all in one place and began to speak the word of God in a different language was supernatural. They, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't know what they were saying necessarily. Other people heard their languages. It was a witness that went far abroad. But there was a power that came with that infilling of the Holy Spirit that they were dynamic. They were, uh, un, they were absolutely uh, did not back down from anything. That power. You know, these days that we live, we need that power. And he has it for us. And if we will dig in and pray and, and ask God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. If you've never been, if you haven't asked God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, begin to pray the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want it. And he has it for you and I. Well, this life, verse 2, was manifested. And we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life 
which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That word manifest. Manifest has to do with it. It begins to demonstrate. It begins to play out. It begins to become real. They saw with their eyes. They saw Jesus walking on the water. They were afraid. Peter goes, oh, if it is you, Lord, let me walk on the water to you. I'm like, what? And you know the rest of the story. Jesus, I'm sinking. Help me. He started out okay, but then he took off. Oh, my. Oh, my. And right now, a lot of us are in the boat saying, oh, my. Look at the waves that are coming at our country. Look at the waves and the turmoil and the stuff that has happened. Oh, my. God is saying to us, look at me. Look, fix your eyes on me. Don't get so involved with the, all the negative. Pretty soon you're carrying the weight of the world. God never intended for us to carry the weight of the world. He said, I will be your yoke. I will be yoked with you. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. There's a way. In, there is a load we bear, but we're never meant to do it alone. And all your cares, he says, to cast upon him. John understood. It is known about John that he was the beloved. He was probably the one at the Lord's Supper who kind of was next to Jesus. They had a special relationship. They were close in fellowship. It was tough. And what was Jesus saying in John's Gospel, chapter 14? And Jesus began to describe he was going to leave. The disciples were blown away. All of a sudden, what are we going to do? You're leaving. We can't make it by ourselves, but I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Jesus is preparing a place for you and I right now that you're going to be with him forever and forever. Until then, there will be battles. Until then, there will be times where we, we're ready to go. We just want to get out of this life and into the next. There will be days, but the God is saying to us, stay with it. Stay with it. Stay close to me. Don't back down. Continue to herald the message of Jesus Christ. He wants everyone, whosoever will believe, not willing that any should perish. That's the God we serve. How long-suffering is he? How patient he is. He is, but the day will come. Judgment is coming. You know that. The Bible teaches that. God is the God of judgment, and he judges sin. He judges it. But right now, when we accept Christ, the judgment is taken away from us. As believers, we don't have to be afraid of judgment day because we are in him. We are in his in his envelope, in his clothing, in his righteousness. Verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. Did you know that in heaven there's no need for a sun? God is the light. There'll be no darkness in heaven. You read that in Revelations. If we say that we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. What does he mean? 
Let's read on. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, there is a place for you and I. I believe that God's tailor-making a place for you and I. Tailor-making it. It's what you're going to like. But right now, he has a special place for you in his heart. Only you. The good thing about God is he takes time for everyone individually. All at the same time. I don't know how we can do that. But this whole idea of this darkness and this walking in the light, we don't have to look very far to see darkness in our world. But we are to be the light of the world. You and I are to carry hope and light, bring light into the room, bring light into the situation, bring peace into the situation. God can help us to be connected with him so that we can connect with other people. Once we've connected with God, God begins to give you a heart for people. I can't love people like I should. I get impatient. You know what I'm saying? Are you there? People will, will, will test you. This life will sometimes wring you out and hang you up to dry. Amen? Yeah. This life is not easy. Don't get, don't get sidetracked. Because you are a follower of Christ, now you got it made, and it's easy. you got it made, but it's not going to be easy. The good news is God is the, the one who you need to stand by and walk with him. Now I'm talking walk. Now, it's not necessarily a sprint or at times you need to move fast. There are times when you have to move. But this walk has to do with a consistency Yesterday's gone. I can't change. I can't go back into yesterday. I have today, and I'm not really sure about tomorrow, but tomorrow will come and we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it then. And Jesus demonstrated to his disciples how he walked with God. He walked with the Father. He walked a fellowship. They commune together. And so believers, brothers and sisters, hear me. We have in common Jesus. We have like-mindedness. We have the same values in Jesus. Therefore, we can have fellowship like the world cannot have. The world thinks they're happy when they... Living it up and doing woo, whatever. <laughs> whatever feels good. There's no rule. There's no, I'm just free to go about. The Lord is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm here. I have boundaries. I have established 
You do not take of the uh, fruit, a forbidden tree, you know, the tree of life, tree of, you know, the tree of life, and then with the tree of the fruit, the knowledge of good and evil. Well, guess what? You know the story. Adam, where are you? Eve, God was used to walking with them in the garden. But he knew all about it, what had happened. He was not surprised. But he was testing them. Adam, they were afraid. Yeah, we're, we're not clothed. Well, how do you know? Who told you that? Right? Well, their eyes were open. God in his mercy took animals, skins, and clothed them. Now representing one of the first types of, of this crucifixion, you know, someone had to shed blood. It's really, really throughout the Old Testament you'll see types of Christ. They had to pay the consequences of sin. The Bible says sin entered into the world and everyone becomes sinners. All have fallen short. All have sinned. The good news is this, that he will forgive us and cleanse us. And the next verses that we follow in this text deal with that very thing. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. Here's the problem. When people say, I don't, I don't, I'm not so bad. It's, I, I don't really need the Lord. I'm just going to live pretty good and, you know, hope I make it. No, 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 no. The Bible says, all have sinned. All have fallen short. The wages of sin is death, but the gift, the free gift of God is eternal life. The good news is this. The understanding is this. John is writing to the believers. He's already he's writing to the church. He's writing to encourage them. If we confess our sins, guess what? Christians sin unknowingly. We call that omission or something like that. Now we did you know that James, the letter James says to do you know to do you know what's right to do and don't do it as sin. We we don't you know we don't, you know. That's, that's kind of like you know, human nature. Well, you know. Well, listen, I could never be good enough. I could never live good enough. Therefore, I need the Savior. And when I understand, when I understand that he took all my sin, every sin, and every sin that I will ever commit in the name of Jesus, as long as I stay the course, as long as I don't walk away from God, as long as I don't raise my fist in his face and say, I don't want to have anything to do with you. I believe God will go to the extreme ends to save those people who once walked with him, who once had fellowship with him. God is for us. God desires. Sometimes I wonder if our world is being shaken that God is allowing, just as he, as he has done before, he allows things to come to a certain point, and then he said, that's enough. 
as it was in the days of Noah. Everyone was doing what they thought was right in their own eyes. They were living it up. They were building. They were partying. They were self-centered. They were, as Paul said to Timothy, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. Oh, I'm just trying to encourage us today. We have a God who is waiting for us, who is willing to touch us, to bring us up to that place where we are in connection with him, that we are just as if we've never sinned because his blood daily covers, cleanses our sin as we walk with him. You know what's good news? If you and I sin, when we feel bad about it, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord, because the conviction is with us. And we're in trouble when we start to just kind of blow it off and it doesn't affect us and we get hard and calloused over time more and more. We keep our hearts tender before the Lord. I, I had three points. You know, I have this stuff all figured out, but it's all going different. I had down, well, I'll just mention them. I had, what is true fellowship? We talked about that a little bit. We share the same values. Fellowship is not eating food. That's part of it. <laughs> fellowship dinners are wonderful. Don't leave me out, okay? I love them. But fellowship is say, how's it going? How can I pray for you this week? How should, you know, connecting, bearing each other's burdens. Fellowship is having somebody to connect with that understands your heart, understands your pain, can relate to you. That's fellowship. And the body of Christ is meant to connect and bear each other's burdens. We should look forward not only receiving from the Lord, but giving to the Lord every, every time we get together. What can we give to one another? How can we encourage? So that was a little bit about true fellowship, true believers. There are people that have this knowledge of God. They think, well, yeah, there's a God, but I'm not so sure if I know him. I'm not so sure I'm ready to go if I die. I'm not so sure. And the help and the encouragement that John gives to this is later on down in his text, all the way to the end of the fifth chapter, he deals, kind of wraps it up with this little word in 1 John 5, verse 12. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Well, how do I know I have the Son? Romans 10 describes if we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, we shall be saved. What, is this, what does it mean? It means Believing means I understand now. I get it. I'm a sinner, and he, I can't save myself. That's belief. I'm, I'm reaching out to God. I'm reaching up to God. He, I can't save myself. Will you save me? Come into my heart. And he will. He does that. And now we begin. That's just the beginning point. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. 
By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says I have come to know him does not keep his commandments is a liar. His truth is not in him. He later on goes down to the scriptures. The one who says, verse 9, he is in the light yet hates his brother. We send a mixed message. We show up at church, and I'm not saying anything against anyone here, but I think in general there's a, it's easy to sometimes hide in churches who we really are. God loves you enough. He doesn't want you to stay bound. You're having a, what he's, what he's doing is giving illustration. If you go out and you, you beat up your brother, you're mean to people around you. Something's wrong. That's what he's saying. The love of God can help us love. The love of God help us forgive when we can't forgive in ourselves. The love of God is when he laid his life down, allowed them to beat him, to break him, pierce him, curse him. He took our sin. He became sin. And we might know his righteousness. So when it comes to the Lord's Supper, when it comes to the table of the Lord, when it comes to remembering what he's done for you and I, there's good news. Because he looks at you and I and says, I know your weaknesses. I'm going to take away your sin as far as the east is from the west. The devil will come back to try to haunt you and remind you and discourage you. You just turn that word of God around. I am a child of God. I'm no longer bound. My sins are forgiven. He became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. I'm chosen this song that's kind of been quite popular in its day, Jesus Messiah, written by Chris Tomlin. He, just, he describes this. He became sin who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself, carried the cross, love so amazing. You know what? Jesus said, no greater love is this to lay down his life for his brother. That's what Jesus did for us. And that's what he's asking us to do in this world. You're going to maybe have days when people want to hit you on the face. And it's going to take the help of Jesus to turn the other cheek. And just keep loving anyway. I don't mean that we should be 
you know, whipping posts or doormats. We need to, you know, protect ourselves, stand up. But you know what happened in the book of Acts? The men, the men who heard Peter's preaching, they were irritated. They were upset. And especially when Philip preached. You know that story. They stoned him to death. But you know what kind of a heart he had? He had the heart of Jesus. And he had as he was dying, he said, don't hold it on their account. Don't hold it. Wow. What a Christ-like mannerism. We can't change people. Only Jesus can. But he's called us to walk with him. Let's sing this a bit.